Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck and I'm joined here with my daughter, Paige Baumert. Hi, Paige. Hello. Paige, today we are tackling a topic that has been suggested to us through our YouTube channel. So there is a Teaching Self-Government YouTube channel. If you haven't seen these podcasts on the Teaching Self-Government YouTube podcast channel, I don't even know what it's called. What is it called? Teaching Self-Government Podcasts, probably. Anyway, then then know that there's also that channel that you might want to check out as well. But somebody asked specifically on our YouTube channel, if we could talk about rude teenagers, Paige, and they must be struggling with rude teenagers. So we are going to share in this podcast four tips for handling rude teenagers. But before we do that, as is tradition here on the Teaching Self-Government podcast, we are going to share a fun family activity. Paige, what kind of a fun family activity do you have from your brain, your archives of things that we have done in the past? Well, since we're talking about teenagers, I thought I would kind of go back to some of the things we did as us, you know, first kids were getting a little older into our teen years. And one thing that we loved doing is we toured a lot of factories. Uh, and so a lot of, you know, candy factories and chocolate factories, and we would go to farm factories. So um, we've toured like Tillamook cheese factories, uh, lots of dairy stuff. And we even went to a honey farm one time, but it was so cool to set up those tours and to tour the factory and to see how things were made and to see the machinery work. Yeah. And I don't even know if you remember this one, but when we were young, I remember when, I mean, obviously I was younger, but you were especially (laughs) young. Um, We actually toured a noodle processing plant as well, which was kind of, that sounds really cool though. Yeah, it was, it was a little homeschool field trip that we did one time, a little like the Deseret noodle factory or whatever. Anyway, um, kind of a fun thing to go and see how things are made, how food is produced. So how about you be thinking, is there a factory in your area? What is made in your area? Do, do you, does your town or your state make gummy bears? So go see if you can tour it. How are gummy bears made, you know? Or are there farms in your area that might be fun or any type of a food processing plant? I mean, whether it's potatoes or macaroni, it's going to be interesting. And those are the types of things that children don't know. And if you absolutely cannot find a a place to tour or get a hands-on opportunity, then I highly recommend finding the coolest how-to YouTube videos out there. And maybe I shouldn't say how-to, but how was it done? How was it made type YouTube? Yeah, I know there's like whole channels that are like how it's made and different things. And it's very surprising. And some of it's kind of gross too. And you're like, what? I had no idea. But I'm never eating that again. (laughs) I know. Yeah, like hot dogs. That's kind of gross. (laughs) Exactly. Let's not go there. Could ruin the whole podcast. Anyway. (laughs) All right. All right. So let's go ahead and talk about rude behavior. Let's talk about our teens. And honestly, I have to say 
that even if your children are not teens, if they are dealing with rude behavior, the four tips that we're going to share for you actually will cover all ages. So not a problem there, but I know people especially start worrying about it when their children are older because they think, are they going to be rude adults? We've got to get a handle on this, you know? So we are going to talk about rudeness and this problem that people are facing, but first we need to talk about self-government because everything here on the Teaching Self-Government podcast, we view through the lens of self-government. Paige, what is self-government? Self-government is being able to determine the cause and effect of any given situation and possessing a knowledge of your own behaviors so that you can control them. Yes. So what that means is that a person understands cause and effect and they understand how their behaviors either get the best results or don't. And so that means that they have to be in a constant state of self-analysis. Now, I know many children do not just naturally do that. In fact, you know, many adults don't do that and they should too. So it is something you have to learn how to do and you have to decide it's healthy and it's okay. Many people don't like seeing their negative behavior, but you know what? It's actually a healthy thing to recognize it so that you can do something about it, become a better version of yourself. Well, and then there's some people who just don't care. And teenagers tend to fall into that category. Definitely teenagers fall into that category for sure. So let's talk about this problem with rudeness. Um, Now, this doesn't mean that all teenagers don't care, obviously, but they start getting a little bit more selfish sometimes as they get more freedom, as they get more perks and opportunities, they'll get more entitlement. So you hand that child a phone and digital devices and they get to go and do all these things that they want to do and they don't have to talk to anybody about it. Whoa, now we've got a person who thinks they can run everything themselves. They think they don't need a parent, even though they're living off of all of your money and still technically following your example, even though they don't want to acknowledge it. They're doing a lot of different things that come from you. You are still kind of running the show, but they don't want to acknowledge it yet. And the thing is, is this is kind of developmentally normal, not entitlement. That's not developmentally normal. And rudeness is definitely not developmentally normal, but it is developmentally normal to try to take steps away from parents so that you can develop a little bit of skill development that's going to prepare you for adulthood. You start solving more of your problems instead of making mom and dad solve all your problems, which means you're going to earn your own money and buy your own clothes. And you're going to pay for your own gas when you drive the car. And you know all those kinds of things, that would be you solving your own problems, which means you have to have a job and you got to have a way to get money and and you're going to do it. You're going to put in the work. That's the developmentally normal thing for teenagers. That responsibility is huge when it comes to that. Because I know when, you know, we turned 12, you know, we were pre-taught ahead of time, you know, usually like the year before or something. Hey, you know, when you turn 12, it's kind of our family tradition, family rule that you're going to start having to, you know, pay for your own clothes. And so we were taught that, you know, that was to help us learn responsibility. And yeah, our clothes lasted a long time, usually until Christmas or our birthdays. <laughs> uh huh. You took care of them, didn't you? Uh huh. All of a sudden you weren't, you weren't just, uh, making sure like just chucking them everywhere you were like okay these are my clothes i have to wash them i have to hang them i have to take care of them because i have to buy them if i need more if i don't get them for a gift right and so then you guys would ask for useful things for a gift instead of frivolous things 
you know, I remember one time a parent saying to me, oh, we make a joke that if my kids ask me what they're going to get for Christmas, I tell them you're going to get socks and underwear. And I'm thinking to myself, I do give my children socks and underwear for Christmas. (laughs) And we were so happy. (laughs) Yeah, because they didn't have to buy their own socks and underwear. You know, I'm like, they'll ask for underwear and socks for Christmas because they know they need them. Anyway, all right, let's not get into that. We could do a whole a podcast on money and on money management and that kind of stuff. So we should definitely do that teaching children how to manage money. So we can do that one. So let's talk about this rudeness problem though. Let's kind of identify what happens here. So what we have is we have people who feel like they should be in charge of themselves, right? So they're, they're developmentally feeling this need to become more mature and to take more ownership of their life. And so what they start doing is they start disregarding everybody else and becoming very selfish. And this means that it hasn't been set up properly for that developmental stage. So if they've been given a lot of things, there's been a lot of entitlement, they've been doted on, they've been given excuses and affirmations for absolutely every you know problem that they've ever had in their life, then they haven't probably have the character development that they need. And it's that character development that brings in things like compassion, understanding, gratitude, all of those things that you want a person to develop so that they are not rude. So what we're really going to be outlining here is how do you help a person develop their character? Now, I can promise you we're going to do a whole other podcast on character development and how to help children develop good characters. But we're going to give you just a few of the key pieces for key tips for character development today that specifically are going to help you handle the rude behaviors. Okay. So the very first tip that we want to talk about is roles. All right. So the first thing everybody needs to know to handle rude behavior. I can't even talk straight. I know. (laughs) The first thing, the first tip is who are you? Who are you in the family? This is vital information. So I know that seems like a no brainer, something that you shouldn't have to tell anybody, something that shouldn't go wrong. But guess what? If the child is talking back to you, if they are saying rude comments, saying mean comments, if they are not doing what you tell them they need to do, if they're rolling their eyes at you, those kinds of things, they are definitely not in touch with who they are in the family. So that's important. So Paige, let's talk about roles just a little bit. I mean, in our family, we kept the roles really clear. And I think that was probably helpful for you, but I know you were one of the children. In fact, of all the children, you were the main child who would get an attitude problem and who could have rude behavior. And yeah. And why do you think that happened and how did understanding roles help you? Well, I think the, the rude behavior, um, that I sometimes, you know, exhibited came from me being very stubborn and wanting as much freedom as I possibly could get. And so um, understanding how the roles worked helped me understand, hey, this respect needs to be in place. I need to respect my parents so that, you know, as I get older and as I continue to be a contributing part of the family and be emotionally mature and work on my social skills and stuff like that, then 
you know, eventually I'll continue to get more and more freedom. Mm-hmm. And so it helped me understand that, you know, my parents, you guys were there to help me progress and to be successful in society and in my own personal life and not just, you know, to boss me around. Mm-hmm. So, so basically you changed your processing is what right. you did. So you went, wait a second, my parents technically are helping me. Mm-hmm. And cause we talked about our roles. We talked about who we were in each other's lives on multiple different occasions in different ways, but you decided instead of seeing us as people that were just controlling you as going, wait a minute, they keep talking to me about growing up. They keep talking to me about skills that I'm supposed to be developing. They keep talking to be, me about what they are going to do for me, what they're not going to do for me and what they're going to help me do. So maybe they're not hurting me. Maybe they're trying to help me move on. Right. Yeah and get more of this freedom. And I know that there were multiple times where I said specifically to you, Paige, we want you to have as much freedom as you can have. Mm-hmm. Like we want you to have that, but you have to honor our roles, you know, yeah. because so it's definitely like a, a give and take relationship, you know, it had to be 50, 50, a good balance. And that was yeah. something that I had to learn to you know, accept and be like, okay, you know, I have to show them respect so that they can show me, you know, respect and be able to move forward, you know, with my life. It wasn't that I was like, you know, itching to get out of the house or, um, you know, itching to be rebellious, but um, that constant teaching and reassertion of roles helped me to see, hey, you know, this this really is my my responsibility in the family. And this is where, I, where I'm going to fit in best and where I'm going to get the most benefit for myself and for everyone else. Yeah. I mean, we could do an entire podcast on roles, to be honest, we could. And we haven't done an entire podcast on roles, to my knowledge. So we probably should, especially because we can't hit on everything with roles today. But you are touching on some really key things, Paige. And that is that there are responsibilities that oftentimes go along with our roles, right? So a role and a responsibility, two different things. So as a mother, my role is to be a teacher of my children, to nurture them. I am the heart and hearthstone of my family. And I have to teach my children that that's what I am. That's my identity. And, and as part of that identity, I do things for my children. I serve them in certain ways or whatever. Right. But my biggest thing is I'm a teacher of them. So then I have to teach my children. Okay. So who are you? What is your role? What are you doing at this stage in your life? And you know what the big thing is, is learner. They are a learner. So their responsibility then is to listen to me and to learn because if the learner doesn't learn, or the teacher doesn't teach, then there is dysfunction. And the rudeness is often a symptom of dysfunction. And so what Paige was experiencing is dysfunction. She wasn't listening. She wasn't wanting to be taught. She wanted to be the teacher and she wanted to aggressively push that at us all the time. And we had to keep saying, that's not the right way. That is a boundary line you're crossing over. You are not disagreeing with us in the appropriate way, you know, and that kind of thing. We had to keep creating those lines for her so that she would know how to take that strong will like she had and put it in the oh, right definitely place. Still have. <laughs> that's right. That's right. In fact, that's the beautiful thing about you and about me and about all the people in our family. It's we are incredibly strong-willed people. Yeah, but it's a good thing. And I think a lot of people mm-hmm. don't see that. And I think when you know, teenagers are rude. They don't 
they aren't able to see past that and see the possibilities because a lot of teenagers can be very strong-willed, especially if they're exhibiting rude behaviors openly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, you know, it's hard to see past, oh, this, this is a really bad thing, you know, when in all reality, that stubborn strong-willed behavior can be one of the biggest blessings they have if mm-hmm. it's steered and directed in the right way. Yeah. So it's not about shutting your child down, right? Shutting down that strong will or trying to get rid of it. You try to do that. You're just going to be in a power struggle forever. Mm -hmm. But if you recognize my child is strong willed, which actually means they probably have all the qualities to become a leader one day, I've got to channel that, which means I've got to teach them the truth. And this starts with the truth about who they are. So number one tip, talk to your child about their role and about your role and about what is functional and what is dysfunctional. Who are you? What does it mean to be a father? Are you the provider and protector of your home and of that relationship? What does it mean to protect your children and to provide for them? It's not just money and muscles. There's more to it than that. When you are a protector, that means that you bring in truth that they can, that they can root themselves in. You provide understanding and truth for your children. I mean, that's things like, I mean, protecting children, that goes into things like praying over your children and your families, you know, if you're a praying person. Helping them analyze their emotions for emotional protection. Yeah, absolutely. Understanding, but then helping them know what to do. Take those steps forward. Okay, let's talk about our second tip. So the second tip, we've already been kind of going in that direction a little bit (laughs) because I said some key things like disagree appropriately. But the second thing that we can do to help our children with rudeness problems is to teach them the skills that they need. Okay. So we talk about skills a lot in the teaching self-government program. We have a lot of skills that we teach. Yeah. And and the reason why is because if you are, if you keep making the same mistake again and again, you've already developed a skill for yourself, but it might not be a, a productive skill. Right. Right. You're using it, but it might actually be hurting you, hurting your relationships. And so teaching the children, the skills that they need to get their way and to be understood, this is huge. And one of the biggest Mm -hmm. skills that you can teach a child, as far as the rudeness goes, is how to disagree appropriately. Yeah. Because that way, you know, if there's something that they really don't agree with, then they have an appropriate way to bring it up and to have it be discussed calmly and effectively. Mm -hmm. And Paige used this to death, just so that you are aware. (laughs) Disagree (laughs) appropriately to death. I mean, it was always, she was always doing it, but I got to tell you, she got to college and having roommates and different experiences in life. And she's like, Whoa, mom, I'm disagreeing appropriately with these people. Like, you know, because then you got to disagree appropriately with your professors and with your music conductors and with your friends and your roommates and your boyfriends and spouses and everything else. <laughs> oh, yes. Right. Still, still using it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a life <laughs> skill. It's not just for children. So Paige, what are the steps to disagreeing appropriately? Let's talk about those. So you look at the person, keep a calm voice, face and body. And then you, you know, say that you understand the other person's point of view and kind of describe what you understand. Then you explain your point of view and then you accept whatever answer is given, which is the hard part. And then you drop the subject. Yeah, because you can't control everybody. You know, Mm -hmm. you may say, "I I want you to see things my way. The ideal is they go, oh, okay. 
and they see it your I way. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes they don't. And even if you think that person's wrong, now you don't have to follow them off a cliff or anything, right. but, but you need, do need to say, okay, that's where they're at. And you've got to be able to say okay to that and just not take it personal anymore and drop yep. the subject. And quite frankly, I think drop the subject is the hardest part. Well, actually seeking to understand at the very beginning where you, you try an to open mind and an open yeah, where heart. you t- mm-hmm, try to see where the other person's coming from and listen to them. Yeah. And that doesn't, that's mean that the you, hardest part. That doesn't mean you get rid of, or, you know, discard your own beliefs. You hold true to those, but that means you're going to push aside judgment and say, okay, how do they really think? You know, mm-hmm. let's understand, you know, where they're coming from. Yeah. And you're going to choose not to be emotional. You're going to be open instead. And at the end, when they still don't see things your way, um, then you're going to just say, okay, and drop the subject. Well, okay, there we go. Now the child has to do what the parent says, because that maintains the proper roles. Okay. If Mm -hmm. the parent is the leader and the teacher until the child reaches adult age and maturity level, then the the child does have to ultimately say, okay, with the parent. Okay. The parent does not have to do what the child says, however, because that would make dysfunction in the relationship because that would throw the roles off. So keep that in mind. It's good to know the skill to use it as a parent as well, to speak in those terms with everyone, even the children. But that does not mean that they get to guide you and direct you. So, so remember that. So this disagree appropriately skill is what I call the gateway skill to self-government. It is the first skill that helps a person recognize learning new and productive skills gets me what I want. And so that right there opens the door for using a lot of other skills. And there are other skills that are needed for handling the rudeness problem. So a skill like following instructions is going to be huge because when you follow instructions, you look at a person, you keep a calm face, voice, and body, and then you say, okay, or you disagree appropriately. So here we are bringing in that disagree appropriately as an option, or I can decide, decide this one's not a big deal. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to say, okay. But the steps that happen before that to look at the person, that's when you open your heart to the person when you look at them. And then when you're keeping a calm face, voice, and body, you are choosing to be okay with that person telling you something that needs to be done. So think of the power of that. And then the person does the task, whatever it is, and checks back so that you can praise them. That praise is then going to show them cause and effect, which is part of self-government, so that they can see, oh, even if I still had to do this task I didn't want to do, good things happen when I do the right thing. So this is huge too, right? There's other skills too, though, accepting consequences, accepting no answers and criticism. These are all skills that involve calmness, dropping the subject. They involve connection. They involve getting praised as part of that interaction for doing the right thing. So these are great skills. Not all teens obviously know how to do that. And so if you're struggling with teens right now, then another thing, our third tip is something that's really going to help you is... Um, so the third tip is talk about consistent correction. And so once you've, once you've talked about it, once you've pre-taught that that's something you're going to do, then you actually have to be consistent in your correction because a lot of rude behavior comes from parents letting a lot of things slide and they're like, you know what? I don't want to deal with it. You know, it's just too much of a hassle. And so, um, that's, that's another big thing that parents have to be consistent with. And that's something that we tell parents all the time. You know, you have to be consistent in correcting your children because that's really where they do a lot of their learning and mm-hmm. how they learn how to behave properly and why it's important. 
Totally true, Paige. Consistent correction is vital and consistent praise. So we were just discussing praise. Consistently praise the good, but consistently correct what's going wrong too, because this is going to teach cause and effect. This is going to help with self-analysis. It's like holding up a mirror to the child, but we have to do it in a way that's calm. Right. And if you're not calm, see podcasts and videos on calmness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make sure that you are in control of you. And I think that's probably the hardest part of a correction is making sure that you are self-governing you, that you are in the right place to handle things with your child so that it can be a correction and not just a power struggle or an emotional dump, you know, on that child, which is then going to be damaging for your relationship, which in the end hurts the way everyone sees roles. If people do not maintain their relationships with integrity, calmness, honesty, you know, not having any manipulation in there, it's hard to maintain the roles. Like it just undermines the roles. So there are key things you can do for consistent corrections. One thing that I'm going to, I'm just going to give you one tip right now. Cause whoa, we talk about corrections like everywhere, but, um, but one thing I'm going to give you on correction is you keep calm. And here's the other thing, instead of saying, why did you do that? Instead of becoming a therapist right at the beginning of your correction, instead describe what happened. And the, the phrasing that I use to describe what happened is I say, just now I gave you an instruction and you rolled your eyes at me, right? Then I go into the next steps. So a, a really good effective correction, there's seven steps to it. And there's some praise steps in there as well. And so there's a lot of great, you know, things you can do to help train during your correction. So corrections are about training. It's about teaching the children. It's not about reacting to a problem. So if you can remember those things, and if you can remember not to have your tolerances too high, I don't know if we've talked, talked about tolerances on a podcast yet. If not, we probably should do a whole podcast just on tolerances, but, um, but have your tolerances low. That means you're going to be doing more correcting, not micromanaging. That's different and not nagging. That's different. That's emotional stuff and it's not consistent and it's oftentimes power struggling. Instead, it's going to be consistent correction that feels like teaching. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the difference. And so learn how to do it the proper way. And you can find out the best practices for how to do that on the TSG parenting course, because we teach all about correcting all those troubling behaviors yep. there. So Paige, what's our fourth, our fourth tip then? Our fourth tip is actually one that's probably most important. Um, and it's have more time with family. And there's a reason behind that. So when you spend more time with family, you actually have the lots of opportunities to improve your communication and your understanding of roles. Yeah. When you spend that time with family, you get to see how families are supposed to interact with each other, therefore cementing how roles are supposed to work. And you get that face-to-face -face time to talk with each other. And that communication is so helpful when it comes to developing those communication skills. Oh, yeah. And here's the thing is that when a person is being rude, that's a sign that they're selfish. Okay. Yeah. And that usually means that they have entitlement issues related to whatever it is, their social interactions. Do you realize that your family is the first social group that your child has? It's the foundational group social unit of society if they do not have enough time with that family and if they're having too much time with friends or online or in games or whatever, stimulating, stimulating, stimulating stuff, mm -hmm. then that increases selfishness. Yeah. 
which will then increase rudeness. So if you can get the family bonds where they need to be having good communication, good roles, good relationships, that's going to take time. You have to put the family as that highest priority. I know many people are time challenged nowadays. I totally understand that that's a thing, but here's the thing. We've got to prioritize. You only have so many years to raise them. And then afterward, you have to look at what you did with those so many years and, and look and decide if you felt like you did the best or not for the whole rest of your life. Yep. Because once they hit adulthood, those rules change. Yeah, they do. So, and that's actually and- something to talk about with them as well, helping them look ahead to the future. Yeah. But I mean, like, I think when we're in it, we're thinking I've got to raise these children and earn the money and I'll do this. <laughs> And sure, we might have to do a lot of those things, but if we can keep our priorities on the children, we can do a ton more. And if they know our priorities are them so that we're constantly pulling back to family, that makes a huge difference. So I've done a ton of things. I've done legislative work. I've done travel. I've done lots of businesses. I've written books. I've done all these different things, but my children always know hundred percent mom's number one top priority is family. Doesn't matter what else she does. We are num- mom's number one. And and because I would pull away from everything else and be like, you guys, let's read scriptures mm-hmm. or you guys, let's read a book or, hey, it's nice today. Let's go take this little bit of time and go do this. I've got a meeting later, but let's go right now. And I would just like, I would stop the cleaning and stop the thing j- to and that's go. That's part and- of your spontaneous nature as well. Yeah. Which helped me, you know, keep, (laughs) keep the priorities where they need to be. Because if I ever saw a priority was suffering, I would immediately do something about it. And so that I immediately call a child, you know, at this point, if I feel like I feel detached from them, (laughs) you know, I'm going to give them a call. And they're like, somebody's calling me. Oh, of course my mom, you know, like nobody else calls every other day or so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I just want to make sure, you know, so that we keep our connections there because those connections are huge. They help us all focus on a greater picture, a bigger picture of life, not just ourselves, which creates selfishness and rudeness. So if you can take some time to work on improving that family time, having family learning time, family work time, family play time, where you're doing things together as a family and talking a lot as a family, this is going to help the child invest in their roles and in the family a whole lot more. And that's going to fix rudeness. So yay, it's going (laughs) to fix rudeness. We have talked so much about rudeness and how to handle the rude behaviors. Mm -hmm. As you can see, there is so much more. So be sure to check out more of our podcasts. There's a lot of them now. We're starting to add up here the numbers. So um, we are definitely giving you more information that you can work with to handle some of these rude behaviors. Paige, what kind of a final thought do you have for us today? So I just wanted to, you know, kind of summarize these because I know we go through this and sometimes people aren't able to take notes and they forget, you know, kind of the things that we mentioned. So I just want to, you know, nutshell again, our, our tips are number one, talk about roles. Number two, talk about your skills. So those four basic skills. Tip number three is talk about consistent correction and make sure that it's happening. Number four is have more time with family so that you can improve your communication and your roles. Wonderful. Okay. If you want to learn more about any of these things that we have talked about, then be sure to go to teachingselfgovernment.com. Take some of the courses that we have to offer, get some mentoring, get some help, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.